0: A moment a number of years back as a church we chose kind of together as a staff and as a church family to say let's invest in our youth with regard to music and worship. And I I remember even a staff meeting when we talked about let's let's begin to bring worship from all the way from children to to the elderly in our church, what does it look like? How do we do that? And and so one of the things was to actually say, how do we get our youth doing that? And that was a defining moment. And so I'm so grateful for Macy and Tyler, um, who were who are sending off and into into worship at at, at their um, study programs at college. We've had others who have gone here who have are now leading in worship. We've had a number of worship leaders through our who have come up through middle school and high school, and we continue to see that. And that was what I call a defining moment. It kind of turned some direction in our church as we began to invest in those within our own church. Have you ever had a defining moment? I want you to think about that idea. It's a moment that gave definition to the rest of your life. It actually changed Something. It was an event or a decision that influenced and changed all the subsequent related um, occurrences in your life. It's a fork in the road kind of experience. It's one of those times where depending on the moment and how you react to it in your life, you could go one direction or another. It could be a course that you took in college. It could be a move that you made at work. It could be a person that you met could be a financial setback, actually, or a windfall. could be a relocation to a new city. could be a book you read. But it was one of those moments that clearly defined some direction in your life. And you look back now and you go, that was an important moment in my life. You know, the church has had a number of these kind of defining moments throughout history, but specifically if you look even into the early days of the church and look at the book of Acts alone, you'll find in the book of Acts there are a number of defining moments. There's one of the very first defining moments, it's called Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the church and filled that church, as Jesus said, with power to witness. And that was an incredible defining moment. What I think is interesting about that defining moment, it was a sovereign kind of work of God that through his Holy Spirit came and and he released his presence into the church. There's also another defining moment in, in the life of the church. You see it in the, in, in the life of Peter as he at one point is going around and sharing the good news of the gospel in this letter in book called Acts. And as he is doing so, he goes to a city and as he's in this city Joppa, he has a vision, again, a kind of sovereign work of God where God comes and tells him it's okay for this Gentile that he's meeting with for that person to receive Jesus. And so we have this defining moment that changes kind of the complexion of the church. It's now not just a Jewish one, but it has the ability for Gentiles to come in. And then there's one other defining moment that I look at again, which is much more of a sovereign act of God, not so much a human seeking or 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 a human choice as much as it is as, as God comes upon a man his name is Saul and as Saul is walking down the road he is blinded as he's persecuting Christians he's blinded by the light of Christ and by the light of Christ he stops in his track and Christ is revealed to him and his life takes a, a complete change in turn and it has great impact on the church but there's another defining moment in the church, one that is not so much an outside sovereign action of God. It is much more one where the church is seeking God and pressing into God. If you notice, a number of the songs we've been singing have all been about God. We're seeking you. We want you to fill yourself with your presence. And there was a time in the church when that was going on. And it was a result of this defining moment that changed the church and its course forever. In fact, there would probably not be in the same way, God would probably find a way to do it, but because of that defining moment, it actually allowed for the gospel to go throughout the then known world. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to read together this account. It appears in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. So here's your time to stretch and... Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, kind of a childhood friend of, of King Herod, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, that's the part you gotta check and, and, and understand. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who later becomes Paul, for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Thanks, you may be seated. What I want you to notice in that story is: is the church had come to a point, and and God was doing a, a great work in that church, and yet they were beginning to say, God, what else do you want us to do? It, it was a a time where they were they were seeing. Many people who were not Jews coming to faith in Christ and they were wondering about, I think, what about family? What about others who are in other parts in the, the, especially around the Mediterranean? And as they're praying, they, they say, God, let's press into God and let's ask Him what He wants. Let's look to Him for direction. Let's listen and say, God, what is it you desire for us as a people? We want to bring glory to you. We want to honor you. They took a posture of fasting and praying. I'm going to encourage us as a church as we think of going into January 5th through 8th to kind of see yourselves as a body, as one, whatever level you participate in, but to see us as a group before God like this church posturing ourselves in a way where we are fasting and we're praying and we're seeking God to define for us what he wants, not just in 2020, but for this church through the 2020s. I also want you to think about it this way. I want you to think about your own life. Because you may go, you know, I'm not a part of this church. I'm just here visiting with family, whatever. You you may be in a a a place where you're going, I'm not a part of this. Well, I want to encourage you To think about the possibility sometime in January, posturing yourself in a place and in a position in your heart, whatever that might look like, where you say, God, there's some things ahead of me that are really crucial, and I really would love to hear you, and I'd love for you to move in such a way by my faith with you. You will define some things. you can do it for yourself, you can do it for someone else, but in a way where you just kind of say, God, I'm going to bend the knee of my heart, so to speak, and place myself before you to listen. That's kind of what we are going to be doing, and we come to this January 5th through 8th, I want to give you context of that's what our hope is. And what I want you to understand as we move into this, um, fasting. What does that look like? We can talk about prayer, and through the month of January, we'll be having the messages on prayer. I'm really excited. Um, on uh, in, in January, I believe it's the 12th, is when Max Davis, who's author and a speaker, is going to be coming. He'll actually give a seminar on Saturday from 9 to 11. love for you to be a part of it. It's going to be around prayer, and um, he will also then be speaking and hearing God in that service on the 12th. We're going to take time to talk about prayer. We're doing the Bible reading out loud. But we're also going to ask some people to fast. And that may look like different things. And so I just wanted to take a few moments this morning to talk about this whole idea of fasting. What is it? Why do we do it? How does it posture yourself before the Lord? Now I could give you all kinds of, I got, this is just one sheet of all kinds of medical advice. And how helpful fasting is. They, they, they talk about all kinds of things. It promotes the secretion of, of the human growth hormone, which helps body mass. It, it, it's very helpful. And they go through a whole thing around athletes and what that can do. Um, it, it, it helps normalize insulin sensitivity. It, it, it works on a thing called the gellin. Levels, anybody familiar with that? There's some medical people here I'm sure is, sure are. But in in that it talks more about the fact that it it deals with what's called a hunger hormone that sends something from your stomach up to your brain and, and fasting. Not dieting, but fasting. And they go through all these things that fasting are helpful for. But I don't want to look at anything because there are great physical um, benefits to fasting, and in our modern world right now, it's kind of a, uh, a lot of people are, are talking about it, and they're doing it, but I really want to talk about why it has been done, I think, in the church, and through the Old Testament, into the New Testament, and even into the church today, and what benefit it is, why it would be well, worth doing. Jesus fasted. Think about it. Jesus himself fasted for 40 days. You ever ask yourself, why in the world would Jesus, the Son of God, have to fast? What was that about? Not only did he fast, um, as you go through it, he gave instructions on fasting. I'm gonna have us look at Matthew chapter six, verses 16 through 18, in these verses. And, and it begins, when you fast, he says, don't look like those who pretend to be spiritual. They want everyone to know they're fasting, so they appear in public looking miserable and gloomy and disheveled. Believe me, they already received their reward in full. When you fast, don't let it be obvious, but instead wash your face, groom yourself, and realize that your father in the secret place is the one who is watching, that what you do in secret will continue. He will reward you then openly. So there's this idea that um, if you get the context of this scripture, he's talking about fasting. It's in his Sermon on the Mount. But if you go back to the very first part of Matthew 6, he's talking about what are called spiritual practices or or exercises that help us be um, to, to gain physical fitness, spiritual fitness. What does it mean to be healthy spiritually? And so they talk about prayer. And in that one he says, don't make your prayers such that they're loud and, and boisterous so that everybody knows that you're spiritual. And then he goes on and he also talks about giving, you know, don't do such a thing as when you give, take your $20 bill and let everybody know that you drop, you know, that kind of thing. Or your whatever size check you write. Because if you do that, you've gotten your reward. He, he kind of now goes into fasting and he says some of the same kind of things. He's talking about there are spiritual practices that are good for our life, but I want you to understand what you shouldn't do. So I just want to take a moment and just talk about what we shouldn't do. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, and I love the way the message puts it. He says, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. So I want to talk about fasting and what it isn't according to these scriptures that we just had read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. And the very first thing I think he says is it's not for show. When you fast, don't look like those who pretend to be spiritual. Don't don't try and impress, impress them. Don't go to work looking all mopey and like, oh, so what are you doing when I'm fasting? Wow. Now it may be that someone might ask and it's a great opportunity to share what God's doing in your life but he says it's not for for making you know people take notice he says it's not for this the second thing as well not just for show it's so you don't do it for the approval of others it's not to get people to approve you when you fast don't let it be obvious but instead wash your face groom yourself realize that your father in a secret place is the one who is watching all that you do in secret. And if you're doing it for the approval of others, he says, you already got your approval right here, right now. And it's not done to do this either, to get God to love you more. So when we talk about fasting, it's not about, oh God, um, okay, I won't do it for show, I won't do it for the approval of others, I'm not trying to get other people to pat my back, I'm doing it, and I'm not even doing it because I'm going, God, If I do this, maybe I can coax you into loving me a bit more. What the word of God tells us again and again is that God gave his all, his utmost. His love was expended to the greatest degree possible. He can't, you can't do something to get him to love you more. Right? You can't do something to get him to love you more what you can do is begin to put yourself in a place where you experience and encounter Him and understand and know His love in a deeper way. Know His voice speaking to you. And that's why we talk about prayer hungering for God in this series. If you look again at Matthew 6-16... He says when you fast, because there's some people who say you don't need to fast anymore. Where, you know, Jesus did away with that, like he did with all the other laws, and and they point to a couple different passages. But if you look at it, Jesus is making it really clear. He says when you fast. He says it twice. When you fast, it's not if you fast. It's it's the idea when. He's it's an expectation that you're probably going to fast, and so in that process, he's saying. I encourage you to see this spiritual activity, just like prayer, like reading the Word of God, like tithing, like every spiritual practice that would be good for the benefit of your spiritual health. Here's another one that can be helpful. So why are we doing this to the church? Primarily what I want you to think about is fasting is making room for God. It's about making space. It's about giving Him place so that you can allow God to do some things. When the church came to that critical time in that moment, which I think we are coming into this year 2020, as we start the year, as we start a new decade, we're coming into this place. The, the church basically said, God, we're going to make some space. We're going to forgo eating. The traditional way of fasting is foregoing some food and possibly drink. There's all kinds of fasts. So you can look at all kinds of different ways that she shares some that we are handing out. But it normally throughout the Old Testament it was food and drink and they did that for a period of time in order to do something else. They made space for God to work. They attuned their hearts to his presence and to his voice. And so what the church was doing, they were worshiping God, reading his word, they were praying together, they were fasting together and they were saying, God, we're asking for you to come and to reveal what your desires are for us. We're asking for more of your presence to be able to do a greater work for you. We're asking for you to fill the space that we make by not eating. By setting that side of time aside. And so the reason we fast is to make room for God in our busy lives so that we might more fully know him hear him and be open to his presence. So let me just run quickly through a few of these ideas that um, what it means to make space or to create room or to break the routine. And there's a lot of different ways we're going to talk about here at the end of the message of how you can do it. We've already mentioned some of those. You see it in that sheet. But primarily, here's some things that make space for God. When you fast, when you take time and say, I'm not going to do this, whether it's eating food, whether it's social media things, whether it's reading the paper, whether it's maybe at night when you kind of the way you normally do, you just veg out by watching maybe a TV show. I mean, there's all different ways people use their time and you can make space and take time in a special way for a distinct period of time. But you say for this distinct period of time, through January 5th through January 8th, not a long time, I'm going to make some space in my life because I want to hear from you. And one of the ways you can make space The one of the ways you can create room is by doing that and then allowing God to do this, which is one of the things he says. Make room to rest in God's love. Primarily, just stop and take that time and try and be quiet and recognize how much he loves you. Anybody ever try and be quiet for a little bit? Now, some of you might be really good at it. That's not something I'm great at. I mean, you start getting quiet and what's happening, your mind just goes everywhere. and It doesn't matter. It's okay. But one of the things you make room for is for God to share his love for you. In Leviticus chapter 16, I'm not going to read all these verses, but I'll just read. There's a time where he says, what I want you to do is enter into a solemn fast. And then he says, and refrain from all work. He says that again as you go on to another part of the passage of Scripture. I I want you to hold a sacred assembly. We bring all the people together. I want you to do this, and I want you to fast, and I want you to refrain from doing any work. It is to be a Sabbath, a time of rest, a complete and total rest, a fast day. And his whole point is this, you need to stop for a little bit. If you could stop for a few moments and go, okay, I, I might normally work through my lunch hour, but I'm not going to work through my lunch hour because what I'm going to do is just rest in the fact that God loves me. I'm going to trust that he's going to provide for me. I'm going to stop, I'm going to break the routine of what I'm doing so that I can just allow there to be space for, for my God to tell me that he is sufficient and that he loves me. We had someone last year who um, went on a fast as we did this last year and last year we just did this fast and that person wanted to share on Wednesday night and they weren't able to share on that Wednesday night so they sent me this note and they said this. I wanted to tell you my experience with the fast. I chose to, well, more like was led to fast from Facebook. So here's someone saying from social media and that fast led to a complete break from it permanently. When I joined Facebook, I was looking not only for a way to connect and communicate with people, but I was also looking um, to fulfill my need for inclusion, acceptance, and friendship. I was looking for a way to feel valued and hopeful. It would increase my sense of self-worth. What I have found, though, is the exact opposite. It became a place where the enemy could speak his lies loudly, reminding me of all the things I felt I lacked in life. As addicting as Facebook became, it also became very depressing and my self-worth and my sense of value increasingly declined and I felt more and more like a failure. And I realized during this fast from Facebook that I was placing my faith in myself in the wrong hands. I was giving too much power to the thoughts and feelings and action of other people and not enough to God. I allowed Facebook to distract me from God's truth and distract me from him. So I decided to remove it from my phone. I can't even see the icon anymore so that I can't even be tempted to go back on. And when I grab my phone out of the habit, instead of ho- hopping onto Facebook, I turned to God by reading a devotional study and it has filled me with his truth and not the world's lies. It has given this person an opportunity to rest in God's love. Now, this fast could define a moment, you know, be one of those defining moments that change the way you look at something. But part of it is to make room for God's love. Another is to make room to listen to God. But one of the great things to do is as you are in this fast, especially if it's a, um, oh, it doesn't matter which one it is. It's a. Let's just say it's from food, though, physical food. When you feel those hunger pangs, like some of you might be feeling right now, right? When you feel the hunger pangs, you it, it should be a reminder to go, you know what? As much as I feel this hunger for physical food, I want it to remind you of my hunger for God. And so I'm going to take a moment and I'm just going to you know maybe read a scripture or allow a verse of scripture that you've memorized or that you're seeking to memorize. Fill your heart. And take time and stop and just listen. Begin to develop an ear for God. Begin to listen to him. Make room to listen to God. Make room to express your love to God. That's part of what this fast could be. It's an opportunity. Instead of um, uh, reading the paper for the 20 minutes or however long you would read it, maybe a good thing to do would be to just take time and to write a list of things you're thankful for God, for the things he's doing in your life. Maybe a good thing to do is to stop and to turn on some worship music and put on some air... You know, earplugs or or whatever it is uh, headphones and and, and just worship God sing really loud so everyone in the house can hear it right it could be one of those opportunities for you to express your love for God in a, a number of different ways every time that you begin to feel that pang of hunger you begin to have that habit to turn just like we read it's an opportunity for you to say God I want to just tell you how much I love you I want to remind you how much I want to walk with you. There's also a way to make room and that's to dedicate yourself to God in those times when you feel that hunger or when you have that habit and, and you say instead of fill me with this food or fill me with this mental thing I'm reading, God, fill me with you. And another way is to make room to pray for God. It's a great opportunity to stop and just pray. Listen and also just say, God, I want to take these moments and I'm going to pray for someone that you've placed on my heart. I just want to stop and, and in the busyness of my day, I'm going to start putting in some patterns that are really different for a just a few days. I'm just asking you to try that. Try to make space from the fifth to the eighth to pray for God's work. Nehemiah chapter one, verses three through four says this. They told me, this is Nehemiah, the exile survivors who are left there in the province are in bad shape. So he's, he's, he's writing, he's away from the city of Jerusalem, he gets news that the people back in Jerusalem, those that they had, the country had been overridden by this enemy power which has taken Nehemiah and, and, and Ezra and others away, he gets this letter and it, we're told by Nehemiah, they told me the exile survivors who are left there in the presence are in bad shape, conditions are appalling, the walls of Jerusalem are still rubble, the city gates still cinders, and when I heard this, I sat down and wept and I mourned for days fasting and praying before the God of heaven, making room to pray, to pray for others, for the needs of those that are around you. So, I just want to share with you just a few suggestions on how to do this. Um, the first thing is just to begin to say, "God, what do you want me to fast from?" If you find yourself saying, in the spirit of God, saying, yeah, I want to be a part of this, and I want to posture myself to hear and to um, place myself before you to make room for you, God, to do whatever you want, the first thing I ask you to do is just to say, God, what do you want me to fast from? What is it that he is calling you to fast from? And just to temporarily set it aside. And what I also want you, if you're fasting from food, I want you to be very wise and careful, okay? Um, make sure you're not putting yourself in, if you have some medical things that you're taking or that you need to do, I just want to say that right out. Don't go on a three-day fast and, and, and have no food, no water, and put your health in a detrimental position. The other is don't eliminate caffeine and go, to, go cold turkey unless you want to have headaches for three days, for some of you, right? Let people know that if you're I'm going to break from social media it might be nice to say I'm taking a break so people don't kind of like what's going on to you because you are always on and in a sense just be thoughtful so ask God what you want to fast from and then begin by celebrating Always, as you take that moment whatever it might be just begin by celebrating God's love just start up by saying God I thank you I praise you I, I, I want to list for you maybe a few things and then take time the next is just to listen And then I encourage you to keep your eye on the opportunity that often happens in this, and that is pride will try and show up. You know, the moment you try and do anything for God and you're kind of stepping out, you can bet, you know, you're going to have this sense of, well, look what I'm doing. That's one of the reasons why Jesus has to three times in spiritual practice say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this is not for show. Watch out for pride. And then he says, as you fa- I, I would just encourage you how to fast. As you fast, um, intentionally fill that space. Intentionally. By intentionally, it might mean that you're going to just stop and just listen. That's an intentional way of filling that space. But don't just go on a fast and and okay, I'm not going to maybe work through lunch, but then you end up doing something else. Intentionally fill it in a way that God can communicate with you. So how many are ready to enter into this experience? Okay, how many are awake? <laughs> I say this because I'm kind of excited. How many have been feasting for the last, last however long, right? And your body is going, please, this isn't just a good spiritual idea. This might be a wise physical idea. That's one of the reasons we have it coming at this time as well. It's into the new year. It's an opportunity because you know what? Um, There's a point when someone John's disciples come to Jesus and say they ask Jesus because everybody Jesus threw everybody off course. So John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, come and go. How come all the other you know people are fasting and we are fasting, but you're not? And he goes, you know, when the bridegroom is present, you don't you you don't. you cannot not celebrate. You have to celebrate. It's almost like saying, "As you, how many people start a fast when you go into Christmas? Dumb idea, right? I think what he's saying is when God shows up and he's present, you don't need to fast. You just celebrate the presence of God. But when you're in a place where you're saying, God, I want to be attuned. I want to play, you know, grab this posture where I can begin to hear what you want me to do. This is a great opportunity and I encourage you to be a part of it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and uh, we'll conclude the service with this song um, of worship. I'm going to invite you just to stand with us.